Hey everyone, welcome back to Roehampton Lawcast. This is episode 12 and today we're going to be discussing uh, the impact of COVID on the legal profession. We've got um, one of our lecturers at Roehampton University to come and discuss this with us. Jonathan, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Uh, yeah. Hello everyone. Um, thanks uh, Maureen and, and Amy uh, for inviting me this morning. Um, some of you might have already met me, but my name is Jonathan Weitzman. I'm a lecturer at uh, Roehampton uh, University. I also uh, lecture, lecture at, at different universities, um, both in, in sort of law, international relations. Um, my background is originally in international relations, uh, but then I went on to do my law degree. Um, and got called to the Bar of England and Wales. And uh, before the pandemic, uh, so fittingly that we're talking about that today, uh, I worked at a, a firm, uh, litigation firm in, in Toronto. Um, so hopefully, they gave me some good insight into the profession as a whole, uh, both the, the barrister and solicitor sides, uh, because they have a, a, fused, a fused uh system out there, which I'll, I'll be happy to expand on a bit later when we get into things. And uh, obviously, that's been impacted quite heavily by the recent circumstances. So looking forward to uh, discussing what's a very important and topical issue. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, so we'll get right into it. I think the first thing that we were talking about was what was the effect of COVID on students generally, because they are going to be like the next sort of generation going into become solicitors and barristers, hopefully in the next couple of years. Um, and just looking at the effect of what COVID has had on their sort of studying, essentially. Absolutely. Um, well, look, I think when one looks at COVID, um, clearly it's affecting everybody and not just lawyers, but all law students, but you can see it from, from around, uh, around the country, around the world, that it's affecting university students um, in, in their entirety. Uh, I know that, you know, for instance, uh, my, my, my sister, she was graduating in her final year uh, last year, and obviously that got heavily impacted. But I think bringing it back to, to, to law, the reason why COVID-19 is, is so impactful is because certain industries actually in some ways, I'm not gonna say benefit, but I, I think there can be an upturn of work when there's a downturn. So if we look at something like the, the financial crash in 2008, there's certain areas of the legal industry that actually had quite a lot of, a lot of work, but at the same time, it changed the way even then that lawyers were working as far as the industries that they were choosing and the sort of practice areas that they were specializing in. And so I think that's the first key lesson that, that, that students really perhaps want to take away from the, the current circumstances. Although I think we're gonna hopefully get back to some form of normality. I think that in the short to medium term, students are gonna to want to position themselves to best approach the legal industry for what it has to offer and so i think that's something that when when you're thinking more practically is is sort of what you want to go into but from from the studies point of view um you know clearly the actual learning of the law degree has changed um i think a lot of people make an assumption that law is very you know book heavy and you read a lot but actually as we know from advocacy there's the spoken element, which is just as important as the written element, no matter whether you're going down the barrister or the solicitor side. And I think that that effect on students, not having that ability to have the face-to-face -face contact, to be in those, you know, mooting 
uh, meeting com competitions um, in person and to move everything online. Um, it's a negative in the sense that it's perhaps meaning that you're having less of that overall experience. At the same time, though, I do think it's preparing you, unfortunately, for what the realities of the, of the profession are at the moment, where everything has, has moved online. So, I mean, that's just, you know, obviously, by way of a bit of introduction of my thoughts. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I was going to say that the, the course at Roehampton, like, like you said, is quite... Um, that there's definitely a practical side to it and we had I think a law and practice advocacy uh, module in our first year uh, where we were where the assessment was based on a cross-examination or we were assessed on how we would approach a cross-examination so we actually had to do one but we didn't get the chance to do it because um, obviously the pandemic and then everything went online um, but I thought that that those things that we were learning then were so important for preparing us later on and just like knowing which sort of profession you wanted to what which side of the profession you wanted to go into um and not having that really like hindered what had to make how you would make your decisions um i know amy you were in your second year when it when we had we went we shifted to online how did that affect you uh, yeah, in all honesty, we didn't, I didn't personally have any sort of practical stuff that got changed, but I was just wondering if, if Jonathan, if you think that it's going to have, you know, a drastic effect. I was listening to a podcast where they were saying that we can't let, um, you know, the generation of students now be defined by the pandemic. We can't let that happen. Do you think it will happen like inevitably or that it doesn't, you know, it's just a blip in a longer sort of career and, and lifetime? Yeah, no, I, 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 I want to look at things positively. I think that there's, there's always the need to look thing, you know, at things positively. Um, and there's no two ways about it. We, we, can't, we can't hide away from the fact that this has been a global event that, that not even I think any of us have experienced in our lifetimes, but I know from speaking to my parents, um, I know people who, who you know, are um, you know, sort of in their retirement, they, they can't really remember anything like this. So I think the effect of that cannot be missed. That doesn't mean, though, that there aren't opportunities ahead. I think people need to look at it in a sort of positive way, as I said. So that's why I mentioned before, certain areas of the legal industry will, will boom, I think. Um, and so I think, you know, if you look at the workplace, it's changed so much. And if you just take something like employment law, for instance, it's going to include many more cases such as workplace disputes over working from home capabilities or safer working environments uh, back in the office once, um, you know, once we return to those offices. And so you're going to have interesting questions such as uh, I think Maureen mentioned about studying tort law this year. You're going to be talking about employers liability, right? Employers duty of care when it comes to potential second waves, future pandemics. Um, so I think there's going to be a new idea of this concept of flexible learning or working that we've all come to learn um, and how employers actually look at um, what is acceptable practice. And I think that, um, you know, as well, devastation certainly is going to have a ripple effect. Um, but technology, that's clearly a key area. One of the one of the criticisms I think that the legal industry gets above other industries, and particularly if we look at the barrister side of the profession, is that it always seems to be a few years behind other industries in terms of just technological capability. And very much like we've had to 
create a vaccine sort of at 10 times the speed, the shift that firms have had to go in order to move everything online, looking at privacy issues, looking at issues of confidentiality in general, um, but even down to recruitment, this concept of actually recruiting future lawyers, future students over Zoom, Microsoft Teams, uh, all these things are new, but I don't necessarily think that means that we have to be defined by the pandemic. Um, you know, I obviously am, uh, you know, a, a, a few years, um, obviously having, having progressed beyond academics uh, and my time studying, but it, the question even will apply to me. Does the rest of my career, does it have to be defined by the pandemic? And so I don't think we have to. I think we need to just try and look at what opportunities that are out there, um, which areas are going to boom, uh, the new style of working, as I said, technological skills, I think are more important than ever. And I think actually that one message I would say to students is that being able to get through this pandemic whilst you're studying a degree is not easy. And I think that one of the greatest skills that we have as lawyers or one of the skills we need is resilience. And I think that being able to demonstrate that resilience uh, and showing how you in your individual way achieved what you're about to achieve here, which is one of the greatest achievements you can achieve in life. Um, I, you know, your degree. Well, use that as a positive. You um, just mentioned there about how, you know, firms have had to adapt and use technology. I mean, it's one thing to have a client call over Zoom, but it's completely another thing to hold a trial over Zoom. So <laughs> how do you think that's, do you think that that will stay? Will virtual courts be, you know, the new thing or you think as soon as we can go back it will go back to um in buildings in person it's an interesting question i was having a discussion with this um with a, a couple of people who who you know have a probably a, 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 a far more um, accurate insight in the sense that i've been speaking to individual members at the bar who have been having to make this shift uh, a good friend of mine uh, has just finished his pupillage and is in his first year of practice and naturally was expecting to be on his feet um, in the courtroom every time, uh, has had to move to virtual courts. And we've been discussing, and this was also what I included when I was uh, teaching uh, law and practice uh, last term, that the concept of advocacy has changed. There's, there's more of a focus when you're looking at a virtual court environment on everything from the technological side, such as are your documents paginated correctly? Um, does the judge have easy access to understanding all the materials? Is everyone's PDF the same? Silly questions like this can make such a difference because we always talk about one of the biggest issues with the court system in the UK is the costs, the, 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 the pressures, the costs, the delays. And certainly when you're looking at issues of efficiency, there's there's clearly no two ways about it. We've taken out the commute. We've taken out the ability um, for a court to happen um, beyond the number of rooms there are in a courthouse. And so clearly that's gonna have a positive impact on efficiency. Whether it's going to stay like that, I don't think it's gonna stay like that permanently because I think that you can't take away from the realities of in-person advocacy on your feet. And we were designed to have a court system that is naturally not one that's over technology. Now, that doesn't mean we can't adapt and we've had to adapt. 
I think virtual courts are here to stay. I think they have a purpose. I think that certainly to help with issues of backlog, with issues of um, getting witnesses to uh, be able to travel uh, when they're not able to, um, the need to speak to uh, individuals that might be in custody, um, there's clearly going to be cost-saving elements. But I think that when you ask hand on heart, most uh, individuals who are actually participating in spoken advocacy, what they prefer, I think they absolutely hands down would prefer to be back in the courtroom because I think that as human beings, one of the reasons why many individuals go down the route of law is because they enjoy the ability to stand on their feet and deliver persuasive arguments in front of a judge. And so I think that desire is going to be the same sort of desire that's going to mean that, yes, we might have flexible working in general, but that doesn't mean that everyone or certainly a large portion of people given the choice would like to return to a working environment with people where um, they can obviously not just communicate behind the screen. I think we also touched on this when we had our lawfare in online. Um, we had a barrister come on and he was speaking about that, how he believes that the shift for online courts is here to stay. And, it's, and for certain practice areas, it's almost irreversible. So he was talking about like immigration <clears throat> and how online case like hearings for immigration um, have become so easy that he doesn't think that they'll go back to it which he said is a shame because obviously for barristers who like to be uh, you know obviously in the court and on their feet but he said I, he he doesn't believe that they're, they're going to shift back um in certain practice areas to back in the court i think that there's certain areas naturally where being in person is going to make um, a difference potentially um i do think um, jury trials clearly are one of those areas. Um, it's hard to recreate that environment. I think that um, moves us on quite nicely to the effect that COVID has had on so people having to work from home. I um, would be surprised if everybody went back to the office. As you said, these shiny, massive London offices have huge um, overheads that can't really be justified now. But how do we sort of bridge the gap, if that makes sense? You know, people doing really confidential work, perhaps in a shared area. Um, mm -hmm. There's new technology coming in. Do you think that's going to sort of sort that issue for us? Or is this just the start of a new era? So I think that... Um... Yes, look, it's a balance. I think that when we're talking about technology, there's a few things that we can that we can refer to. Obviously, there's the the basics of the actual forms of technology we're using. No one had heard of Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Blackboard uh, Professional before, and now it's in our everyday uh, our everyday language. So I think from that perspective, having that as an option is always going to allow the flexibility for individuals to work at home. And I think there's going to be far more of a choice. I think that's going to be one of the things. I think previously, it really depended what sector you're in. I think pre-pandemic, the tech industry, for instance, was always the industry where it was known for being flexible and working flexible hours and choosing your own holidays and uh, you know, having having offices that could be anywhere so that you could be working from a coffee shop. Um, as long as you had access to good Wi-Fi, uh, you could do your work. I think other industries, for instance, if you take something like 
investment banking. I think that um, I, you know, re remember reading in the news that the firm Goldman and Sachs, as you know, by way of example, they were one of the last to introduce being able to sort of choose uh, what you wanted to wear to work, i.e. not having a formal dress code um, on, on a Friday. Um, that was that was a change for them. And I remember it was in the news because it, they were one of the last, um, they were one of the last industries to do that. And I think that now you've got this balance because of the, the need of the pandemic, which has arguably moved everything forward by about 10 years within one year, plus the technological advances that we've made, but also have always had. Don't get, you know, don't forget, we had Zoom. People just didn't use it. We, ha we had Microsoft Teams, people just didn't use it. And now it's being seen as the way forward. So I think that on the one hand, that's always going to be a pressure in the background. But as you've correctly said, Amy, I think that there's going to be that challenge of, well, what happens in a circumstance where you really are going to be more productive working collaboratively? Um, I think that I know from experience that I, you know, from personal experience, I prefer working in that group environment. I prefer seeing another human being in the flesh, being able to work with them. And also, if you need something, for instance, you don't just have to send an email and wonder if it's going to be responded to, you know, wonder, you know, set up a meeting and try and work out everyone's schedules. If someone is in the office, whether they're in your own individual office or on the floor that you're working, there's far more of an opportunity to, um, you know, organize uh, things such as that. But I think also one thing that people forget is the networking opportunities, the opportunities to actually develop your career, the, the, the people that you meet in the workplace. When I was working uh, in a firm in Canada, they had a very, very unique structure there. So the Canadian system is a few system. And what I mean by that is there's not that traditional split between barristers and solicitors. They work under one roof. You do call yourself a barrister or a solicitor, depending on whether you focus more on litigation or more on um, transactional work. Now, this was even new to me because I was used to going to barristers' chambers to speak to barristers and going to solicitors' firms, whether that was in a vacation scheme or an open day, to speak to solicitors. And actually, having both under one roof made things so much more efficient. The key question is, well, why couldn't you just do that on the Zoom? And I guess you could, but there's no two ways about it, in my opinion. You're not going to recreate that environment, that flexibility, and that collaborative nature. That then, for instance, once the working day ends, if there's a work social in the evening, then that also allows you to have that, that, that split. I don't think we have that split anymore. I think we have all these work meetings, and then we shut our computer, and it's ourselves or whoever we're sharing a bubble with. I think overall humans are social beings and I think we're gonna to want to return to that environment. And I think we'll make excuses for those areas that you said where you need that, that group mentality despite the technological advances that we've made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna say that um, with the working from home as well, I, it kind of blurs the lines essentially of what, what's your workspace and what's your study space and then what's your Absolutely. personal where, where space. Absolutely. Where are you both working? Yeah, where are you both working from? Where are you, like, where are you working from? Are you working from your kitchen table, your sofa, your bed? Like, <laughs> where, 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 are you, where, are you, where are you choosing as your main area of work? Or have you, have you been good and set up a desk? 
I've set up a desk <laughs> only okay. because it was getting a bit tedious going from room to room because I've got um, siblings and um, yep. they're all at home so they're doing um, schooling, homeschooling essentially okay. or whatever, but online school, that's it. Um, and so all of them are on their laptops all day as well and so you have to find a space that, that they're not using, I'm not using <laughs> and of to make course, sure that yeah. Room, and site. how do you feel like from a productive point of view do you feel do you feel the productivity is more or do you feel because you're not in that environment you know the university environment for instance do you feel that uh, that's actually affecting productivity and, and efficiency in the way you work so for me i think it's definitely like i I've, when we first started it was a lot of self-discipline like if i have to get these things done i think the things that sort of keep me in check for doing my work is like the workshops every week are live workshops so knowing that i have to attend that um on zoom is like it pushes me to do the lectures online although i do kind of like the lectures online because um you, you know i think me and amy were discussing this like you could put it's a, a youtube screen and you could like put it on a, a faster speed so that you can sit there and you can get your notes down at the same time and you're listening to it but again it doesn't it i do miss being in university and having the lectures and having people that around me that I can talk to because otherwise I'm just listening to a lecture and if there's something that I don't quite get then I have to email or text someone to see if they're on the same page as me. Yes no no absolutely and and you know I think that what I would say just you know leading it to students that are thinking about you know practice is, is that you've got to remember that firms in general and not just law firms but all industries, they never had a roadmap for this. They never, they never planned to have bi-weekly, you know, meetings via Zoom or weekly emails to all staff that, 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 that is in this sort of uh, more remote um, environment. Um, and I think that firms as well have made an effort, I would say, to try and make sure that they are checking in that everyone's okay, or obviously creating social events online and trying to keep that office environment as, Sort of realistic as possible, even though clearly not, um, uh, you know, not, not not much of a focus. And uh, uh, and uh, or, or, sorry, or, even though there clearly hasn't been it hasn't been as realistic. But I think that one of the things that there's been a huge focus on, which we need to perhaps appreciate, is on well-being. Um, I think that we are talking naturally about the 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 the, the, the well-being uh, positives and negatives of. Um, of COVID and I think that naturally many of them have unfortunately been negative because of this issue of being on one's own or being in a small bubble and I think that hopefully the huge focus from firms and industries in general on well-being is something that's actually going to stick and even when we return to a workplace I'm hoping that some of the practices that have been put in place are not just sort of here to stay um, just because of COVID-19. Yeah, definitely. Um, we are running out of time, so I think we're going to give you uh, one last one and then we'll wrap it. So what do you think for students um, is a key, the key skills that they now need to take forward into this new world of, of blended online and in-person working? So from a student perspective, the most important skill that um, one needs as a lawyer overall the most important skill is communication. I don't think we can be good lawyers without being able to communicate 
properly and, 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 and develop those skills. And when I say communicate, I mean covering advocacy in general. So naturally that's going to eat into the written side and the spoken side. And so I think you need to ask the question, well, how can students make sure that they are still developing those skills in the current pandemic? Taking the time, we actually have a lot more time on our hands. So trying to use that time to develop written skills. I think that whenever a court, whether you are a barrister or a solicitor, your writing is what's read first. Before you give any spoken presentation, even often in a conference, your writing would have been, would have been read. And I think that making sure that those skills, making sure you are accurate, persuasive, writing in a concise way, this doesn't change. And honing those skills now is going to make you be in a much stronger position because I think when it comes to even applying for vacation schemes or training contracts in general or mini pupillages, clearly we're going to, all going to be talking about the pandemic in our examples. But I think what's going to make the difference is those <coughs> individuals that can demonstrate their legal skills and their legal advocacy skills and can write why the pandemic and how the pandemic has impacted the way they had learned law and how they see their degree going forward, those are going to be the, the people that I think have the best chance of, of succeeding. I would also say that don't forget about the spoken advocacy skills. And so I would advise students to still look for online MOOCs. There's loads of online MOOC competitions. Look at inns of courts, for instance. If you have intentions of joining um, uh, the Barbering the Wells, or even in general, um, look at providers that are doing professional courses, the LPC, the BPTC. They've got a lot of content on their website. Um, they've got a lot of links to online meeting competitions. Um, watch YouTube videos. Um, we're talking about the ability to watch YouTube a moment ago. Absolutely, there's so much content out there. So I think that's something that students want to do. But I think as well, just to sort of wrap this answer up, I think it's very, very important for students to remember what I said about resilience and about um, the ability to demonstrate how you can turn negatives into positives. Because ultimately, the one thing that's always stuck with me is when I first um, got called to Birmingham Wells, I spoke to a senior, senior barrister, who I believe at that time was, was also a sitting judge. And he said to me, so Jonathan, he said, I don't remember all the cases I win. I remember all the cases I lose. And I couldn't quite understand what he meant. But as I've progressed through my career, I'm realizing that what he meant is that it's very easy when things go well to just sort of think, oh, yeah, it's going great. And you're not going to just think about how you can improve. And one of the things I tried to do on the law and practice course was ask students to reflect, reflect looking backwards, but also looking forward. And so I think it's very, very important that you think about all the challenges you face. And there are going to be individual challenges that are going to be individual to different people and try and turn it into a positive. Try and show how you've come out stronger and what you've learned and whether it is basic sort of hard skills such as written or oral advocacy or softer skills. Have you had to negotiate situations at home? Have you had to manage different situations? Have you certainly had to communicate? You know, you talk about working from a bedroom desk or a, 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 a kitchen table. Well, have you had to negotiate with members of your family that you need it for that hour to do your class? You would have picked up so many skills within the pandemic that you just haven't realized. So I think sit down, 
write for two or three minutes on a piece of paper what skills and what challenges you've had in the pandemic and how they apply to the workplace. And that is the best example of transferable skills that's not just going to help you in the legal industry. I think it will help you in your career going forward, no matter where and how you choose to go. I think that's really interesting and a great place to stop so that um, our listeners can take that and go be active with their, you know, thinking about what they've gained rather than just thinking what a terrible time this is we are living through. Take some positives from it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining us. As, we men- as Jonathan mentioned, uh, mooting, we do have a moot team. So if you want to join, please do get in touch um, at our email. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did recording it. And we'll see you next week for another episode.